This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Friday, December 30th, 2022, last show of the year. And I have the awesome Shannon Morse here as my guest today. Hi, Shannon. How are you? Hi, Miriam. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. You know, there hasn't a lot of news this week, but there's a few things I found kind of in the obscure annals of the Chinese market, which is always exciting because it tells us what's coming to us. And then I want to talk with you about like something that I think is pretty obvious for end of year. Last week with my guest, Richard Lai, we did the top five phones of 2022. But I'm thinking maybe we can do some CS predictions or uh, maybe some of the tech that stood out for you because you probably have a very different angle than I do. Because for me, it's going to be like the MacBook Air M2 is my favorite laptop of 2022. There you go. There's one less to talk about. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So let's start with those news items real quick because- Yeah, let's do it. I think there's some good stuff. There's some stuff in here that is a little surprising. The OnePlus 11 news. So I don't know if you've been following this saga, but last year, the OnePlus 10 Pro was announced in China first, like at CES-ish, And then it was launched in the West like months later, like I'm talking March. And you know, in the past, they didn't do that. They just did a global launch and we, hooray, we had like this surprise. And you know how OnePlus was a big deal, especially with folks in our kind of circles, right? Oh, yeah. So they were known as the big flagship killer back in the day. Yeah. And so they, I think they did a good job, in my opinion, like to kind of like not spoil the surprise and then last Mm -hmm. year they totally spoiled the surprise because they launched it in china even though the software is different people got their hands on them gray market some journalists like ben sin who live in hong kong were able to buy one and so reviews were out like after ces in some cases and then we knew everything about it we knew we knew what it looked like we knew the hardware we knew and so by the time it was time for us to review it and oneplus sent us review units the excitement had completely died off yeah did you feel that way about it? I did. I actually skipped the 10 and I contacted them about the uh, the T and the Pro, but I didn't even look at the 10 last year, uh, which and part of it was because I had already known everything about it. And when it comes to doing YouTube, like you have to be on it with the trends for tech reviews. And if things are coming to America too late, if I'm getting my hands on things three months later, then nobody's going to watch the video. So what's the point? <laughs> That's exactly right. And not only that, but for us smaller you know, creators, we can't even compete then at all, right? Right, because it's exactly. Like, if we get a chance to get a phone at the same time as the big guys, and then we manage to, you know, launch on embargo time, maybe we'll get some views. Sometimes I, I like to wait a few days to the brouhaha to kind of end, to kind of publish mine, and then I get that second wave, right? But right. in this case, like, you, it's like when the kind of big guys, like XDA, like Ben Sins at XDA, right? I love Ben. And he's in Hong Kong. So of course he's going to get, he's already gotten the Vivo X90 Pro Plus, which was literally announced two weeks ago. He's already reviewed it. And the global model is not even in sight anywhere yet. So, you know, I think I saw a Xiaomi 13 review already. These two phones are Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 phones. Oh my goodness. 
out in China, but they're not global yet. And so right. these journalists are getting their hands on them. And then you know it's going to just be westernized Google services software. So you kind of know what to expect on that side. But it's the hardware we're mostly interested in. Like, yes, the hardware, is, the cameras, the battery. Yeah. How is that one inch sensor behaving? How is, mm -hmm. you know, that 200 megapixel sensor for some of these phones? You know, all these things. Anyway, so the saga continues with the OnePlus 11 this year where I was excited last week, you know, on the show, we talked about how OnePlus had made an announcement that on February 7th, they'll be launching the OnePlus 11 worldwide alongside some new buds. And, you know, they give us a teaser video and now we had a date. Well, guess what? Since then, we found out and they, they were totally quiet about this. The PR people in the US didn't even mention it. I got a PR email from them saying, hey, we have some pictures of the OnePlus 11 that you can yep. use on your social media, right? So I was like, oh, okay. So they're kind of doing that OnePlus thing of releasing little bits and pieces to tease us until February. Awesome. I'm in. We get the pictures. And then we find out that they had an announcement in China where they're going to launch the phone on January 4th. <laughs> PR people didn't tell us this. This is something we found reaction. out. I love your reaction. Yeah. Right. That's what I found out too, because I was on that email thread as well. So, like, I saw the pictures and then I heard about this January 4th release date and I was like, hold up. But I'm not prepared. <laughs> we told you guys, we, I had deep conversations with the CEO of OnePlus Americas. And I told him, like, you guys, this is one of the biggest things you screwed up in 2022. Please don't do it again. Right. Now, I know it's not. <laughs> fully under his control because Pete Lau is running the show over mm -hmm. in Oppo land over there. But Pete, if you're listening, you've met me before. You know that I've never let you down with my opinions. That is not, that is not nice. That is not good. If you want to keep that little bit of OnePlus fandom going in North America, in Europe, even in India, you know, don't, don't do this China thing first. China, like OnePlus of course, ships their products in China, but it's not their main market in any way, shape or form. What are you doing? I mean, quite frankly, like just looking at it from a full-time content creator perspective, if, if I can't get on that trend, if I can't hop on that trend right when it happens, then there's no point in me posting a video and using that labor, using that time, paying my editor for a video that people may skip because they've already seen all the news. So at that point, I'm going to be losing out on that content that I could have potentially created when it launched in China because they haven't sent me one, for example, or viewers are just already going to be seeing that news. So they're going to skip over that video and go to the next best thing. At that point, like the trend is going to be lost and it's not going to be as informational if, as people may have wanted it to be. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, they've had some struggles with this market. I feel like Google totally ate their lunch with the, you know, Pixel 6, 6 Pro, 7, 7 mm -hmm. Pro, which are such amazing devices at such good prices that they're kind of like the flagship killer now, at least for us here in North America, in the West. Not everybody can get their pixels. I was talking to Richard Lai, who's also in Hong Kong last week, who right. used to work with me at Engadget. And he's like, I want so bad to get my hands on a Pixel 7 Pro, but I can't find it here in Hong Kong. And I was like, oh man, you're really missing out. It's such a great phone. And you know, I feel like, this is kind of the reverse of that. You know, I understand that Pete Lau decided to kind of consolidate Oppo and OnePlus. And in some ways, that makes a lot of sense. But the way they're doing it 
needs some tweaks. And that's kind of what I explained to them. And the tweaks are that, you know, Oppo, for example, launch a Chinese phone from Oppo in that market first and then launch it globally like you've always done. Nobody's going to care. It's totally fine because we expect that. And the phones are interesting enough that we're going to look at them anyway. Like mm-hmm. last year's Oppo Find X5 Pro had like in-body stabilization. That That's only something iPhones have. So that was cool. I wanted to get my hands on it to test the cameras no matter how late I got it because then I could do a cool story on the podcast about it. But with OnePlus, it's kind of like they used to be almost the number three in the US after Apple and Samsung. And now I feel like Google's taken that role and they lost their mind share. And a lot of the early adopter tech savvy folks that really like Oxygen OS now having to already contend with, you know, a skin version of ColorOS. Personally, I don't mm-hmm. mind, but I can understand how they're not feeling as excited about that. And then on top of that, you throw this kind of, you know, curveball at them about releasing it in China and that kind of killing the excitement. It's like, you're alienating some of your core audience. And I understand that OnePlus tries to go more mainstream, but I never thought of OnePlus as a mainstream brand. And I'm not sure it I is. Never I never have either. I think Oppo is a much more mainstream brand globally, if you look at it. To be honest, like growing up in kind of this hacker industry with my previous shows, I've noticed a lot of people actively choose not to buy Apple or Google because they don't want to be stuck in those smartphone operating systems and those Mm -hmm. ecosystems. And they prefer buying something that's an alternative. So for them, OnePlus has always been one of those alternatives. But if they're not seeing that news from, you know, Americanized content creators, people that are posting this information, then they may not even know these phones exist. So it's, it's it's like a whole domino effect of how how this affects the American market when things are coming out at a separate time, first in China and then over here. There's a lot of people over here who would love to have those alternatives, but I just feel like you're right. They're getting alienated. Yeah, and the phones have still remained pretty good. It's just the they pricing are. has gone a little crazy. And I think yeah. in that sense, Google's done a better job on the pricing. But I feel they're that great for side loading and like having fun. <laughs> they're great for hacking. <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel like I feel like, okay, look, there were some growing pains when the Oppo transition happened. We knew that. Like the OnePlus 9 era was a little fraught. But I thought with 10 they could kind of like come back into place. But then they did this whole pre-release in China thing and the magic was gone. And it's actually, I think, that the 10 Pro is a better phone or was a better phone at launch than a 9 Pro was. But once yeah. the 9 Pro got all the software updates, it was just as good as the 10 Pro, right? So so the, the magic, I think, is still there. We're just, a lot of us are kind of rolling our eyes about OnePlus. But if you have a OnePlus 9 Pro, you know, you have millimeter wave, which I know is not super useful, but you right. can't find on the 10 Pro anymore. You have mm-hmm. a better ultra-wide camera than the 10 Pro, even though the 10 Pro can do crazy 150 degree, which is really cool. Like there are a few things in there that are still really standing out. You know, we already know most of the specs for 11. I'm excited about it, but I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I'm going to be nearly as excited if I have to wait till February 7th, when I find out everything about it on January 4th. And it kind of goes against this, you know, if you're trying to maintain at least some kind of steady growth or even stable levels of sales in North America and in Europe, which I think are the most, like the perfect markets for 
OnePlus as a brand. It's kind of like Apple in countries where you can't get Apple, right? Basically. Right. Although Europe does get Apple in some markets. And India, of course, gets everything. But I feel like in those markets like ours, it would be nice to have a slightly lower price OnePlus that's super competitive. You know, rather than I feel like we're kind of getting detuned Oppo phones that have been a little rebadged and with a slightly, you know, like a paint job on the skin on the on the <laughs> UI. And I don't feel that the effort is 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 going into it. And mm-hmm. you know, I guess Pete might tell me, well, it's not worth it for the hundred thousand phones we're gonna sell in North America and for all the hassles of dealing with US carriers, which granted is true. Yeah, but that's a true at issue. the same time, you know that to stay relevant, you need to be in bed with the carriers. And mm-hmm. I thought they had a good partnership with OnePlus. OnePlus wasn't changing their phones on them. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. In fact, I would argue that OnePlus is still doing really well with their budget mid-range N series, the North American Nords, because they have the CE yes, for- the Nord. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. The Nord is interesting because they have the real Nord, what I like to call mm-hmm. the- The real Nord. <laughs> untouched Nord, the perfect Nord, you know, the big one. That's a proper mid-ranger. And then they have kind of like these D2 Nords for Europe, which are the CE because it's for Communauté Européenne, you know, the- the, the French name for European community. And then they have the N versions for North America. And then I think they have a bunch for India, mostly. And generally, they're like OnePlus 10R. They're not Nords, though. They're like R. They're in an R. But the point is, it's cool that they have these extra little lines. And from every indication, talking to carriers and stuff, the well, it's mostly T-Mobile, the N series is selling great. And Mm -hmm. people love them and they're really well-priced and deliver good value. So they're obviously doing something right. But like, where are your flagships? Like, we loved your flagships. And well, they're going to say it's here. It's the 11. But I'm like, if it's going to cost $899 like last year, ah, you know, I'm sorry, but the Pixel 7 Pro is $899 and and the Pixel 7 is $599 and you could get it on sale for less than that for the holidays. Like... Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly <laughs> feel that even if I was in the, you know, in the community where who cared more about not being in those ecosystems of Google and Apple, I would still right now probably pick a Pixel Seven and kind of customize mm-hmm. it because it's such a good hardware platform to get started, and you know you're going to get all the latest Android on top of that, which you might yeah. not get on OnePlus. So yeah. A lot of people, they they don't want to buy it because of the hardware, like having a Google-made chipset, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of people in like the privacy markets and industry who are like, no, anti-Google, so they won't purchase those. But But then your options are going to be other ones that usually have some kind of Android operating system. So they will have to end up flashing those with something different, some other distro. So... It's it's like a whole nerdcore thing. And <laughs> oh, no, I get it. <laughs> There's I a lot totally of people that want to. But I feel like, you know, it's interesting to me because I feel like if you look at it, the Google Pixel started with the 6.6 Pro, 7.7 Pro, including the 6a, they are essentially Samsung phones, if you think about it. Like, I hate to tell people this because they're going to get mad at me, but Google makes better Samsung phones than Samsung. That's kind of how I see it. Ooh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, okay. That's a hot take. Well, with a few caveats. The first caveat is that Qualcomm uses Snapdragon chips on their high-end phones mm-hmm. in our market. So then it's a no, no-brainer. I think the Snapdragon right. chipsets are definitely more powerful and better at efficiency than 
the Tensor. Yeah. I have a lot of issues with Tensor, even though I'm a Pixel 7 Pro user. That's the thing I like the least about my Pixel. I, if my Pixel had a Snapdragon chip in it and a separate Google-designed NPU, right. kind of like Oppo does with their Mary Silicon X NPU for their imaging, I would be 100% on board. This whole Tensor thing, they're never going to be able to catch up with either MediaTek or Qualcomm, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because Samsung doesn't have that expertise. Yeah. But they went in bed with Samsung. But in the reason I think it's a better Samsung phone is if you compare it to the Exynos-equipped Samsung phones, it's definitely a better Samsung phone. And, you know, you look at the camera system, I love my S22 Ultra's camera versatility. But ultimately, when I shoot a 10X on my Pixel 7 Pro versus 10X with that dedicated 10X telephone on my S22 Ultra, the Pixel 7 Pro still blows it away. Like that's mm-hmm. the reality. And that's, that's using computational photography because the optics are 3.45X or whatever they are, right? I actually so, use a lot of macro on my Pixel 7 Pro because they have added that that ability. It's cool, right? And it is so good. It's so great. And it actually gives me like the kind of depth of field that I want whenever I'm taking macro photos that I was not able to get in my S22 Ultra. And that's a big thing for me because I use it professionally all the time. Yeah, me too. So I was using S22 Ultra primarily for taking photos of cars for all my car work. Yeah. Because yeah. the ultra wide was wider than my Pixel 6 The ultra 6 wide is Pro, beautiful on the S22. Right? Yeah. But on the S22 Ultra now, it's about a it's about a match with the 7 Pro's ultra wide mm-hmm. in terms of width. So I, I've started using my 7 Pro for car photos more. But it's interesting because the S22 still let me do things like I can do a 20x zoom, right? If I stand right. like half yeah, a mile down the road and want to take that. On the S22 that, Ultra is just... Whew. It is. I mean, the Pixel is great, but it peters off after 10x, basically. Yeah. So. I it feel like looking like a potato, <laughs> but that's kind of what I mean by like, in some ways it's a better Samsung phone than Samsung phones. And <laughs> it's kind of crazy, you know, but look, I, I know you're a Samsung user and I am too. Cause I have an S22 ultra and my kind of like in my bag at I'm all times. All the things. I mean, too, I'm kind of, kind of terrible. People ask me, what's my main phone? I'm like, okay, look right now it's a pixel. It's always been a pixel or Nexus what mostly mine right now. <laughs> Mine's a 7 Pro right now. That's my yeah, daily driver. And then I also have a Fold 3. I skipped last year's or the 2022 year. Okay. So I have a I have a Z Fold 3 that I use as my like work phone, my tablet right. phone. I did have an S22 Ultra, but given that this one has better macro, I've been using the S or the 7 Pro more. So I switched right. over to it. Yeah. So for me, I keep an iPhone in my bag and an mm-hmm. S22 Ultra in my bag. That's how... That's how like decadent my life is that I'm keeping, I have a, (laughs) you know, Pixel 7 Pro in my pocket at all times. And then, oh, in case I need it, I have an iPhone for recording video and I have only for recording video. This is really ridiculous part of it. I use my iPhone in my studio. It's a camera now. It's a dedicated camera in my studio. (laughs) And and I use it as an, I like to use it as an alarm clock too. I somehow like the ringer sound better than the Pixel Oh, that's funny. (laughs) <laughs> I know, it's hilarious. And then I have the S22 that's mostly for car shooting car stuff. Mm-hmm. And I also find that because my iPhone I bought myself and I had to kind of watch my budget because, you know, that's the only phone I've bought in the last, I don't know, like every two or three years I buy a new iPhone. It's really the only phone that I buy because I don't get review units. So yeah. I actually try to balance the storage requirements. Like, I, you know, you can't upgrade the storage. So I'm like, okay, 
Um, so I have a 128, which is not the best. You know, I shoot at 1080 mostly, so I'm not too crazy. And my yeah. videos are short, like a few minutes of B-roll here and there. But if I need to shoot one hour of video while I'm driving a car in the car, I mount my S22 Ultra on a Smart. suction car mount. And that one, because it's a unit, they sent me like the 512 gig version or something. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to record. Oh, okay. An hour and a half of 1080p Baller. video without even breaking a sweat, right? <laughs> so so um, sometimes I shoot video with the S22 simply because I'm going to run out of space on my iPhone for that purpose. You know you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny how we have, I guess, creators, we really optimize. Like, we get devices sent we're to us. We're such perfectionists. Like, I know. We kind of pick and choose and go like, I'm going to use this. Oh, no, I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I have whatever phones I'm reviewing, which is like, Right now, I'm actually writing a review on the Xiaomi 12T Pro, which has cool. been out for a few months, but it's got that 200 megapixel camera, yeah, which is both incredibly awesome and absolutely flawed. It's kind of like kind of hard to describe. <laughs> I'm super excited about it because it does some things incredibly well, and some others mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I'm actually waiting for the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 phones with the 200 megapixel because they've optimized some of the ISP stuff for that camera system. Yeah. Because right now, man, it is, you can tell the, the ISP is just struggling. Like you take a 200 megapixel still and you can literally count the seconds before the image is rendered. It's oh, like, no. there's so much data to process. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's no. crazy. Because, you know, you got to do all the multi-frame HDR. You've got to do right. like the motion correction, the blur removal, the whatever it is, noise reduction and sharpening. It's crazy. But there's a 50 megapixel mode you know, because that's pixel binning 16 to 1 and then mm -hmm. 4 to 1 at 2x. So it's actually really cool because you can you can kind of pick a 50 megapixel mode and that mode is the best because it's way more detailed than 12 megapixel bin 16 to 1. But you get still a lot of good low, like low light performance because you're still binning 4 by 4, you know. It's very interesting, like, what the choices they're making. Of course, zoom can be problematic because... I don't know if you know how quad buyer filters work, but you've got that RGB um, filter on top of the pixels, but the filter is oh. not on each pixel. The pixel, the filter is on groups of 16 pixels, right? So when you're oh, zooming really? in, you start getting that weird moiré on anything that has yeah, stripes because the, edges. Mm -hmm. the filter doesn't match the actual pixel resolution. <laughs> And so they have to use these AI-based algorithms to demore the image. And that's where I think the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 in this phone is struggling. And I think the S8 Gen 2 oh, will that's tough. really... I haven't, ran it, I haven't ran into that issue with like more like on clothing and stuff like that in a long time. Well, if you zoom in with your S22 Ultra on the 108 megapixel sensor, if you zoom in at yeah. just before 3X, so before it kicks in the 3X oh, telephoto, like do 2.9 and point it at like one of the towers downtown Denver or something or something yeah. that has a lot of like vertical and horizontal mm -hmm. stripes. And you'll yeah. see that the resolution oh. is good, but the color resolution like is all rainbows and weirdness because it's, it's like- deteriorated. I don't yeah. know what to do with this. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Look at us, we're going crazy with stuff. Um, Speaking of Snapdragon, eight gen two phones so we've had a few now we've had the vivo x90 pro plus you know we've had the xiaomi 13 series and they keep on coming 
Red Magic 8 Pro was announced, the gaming phone, which will come to uh, the this US. This one looks so cool. Doesn't it look so this cool? This one looks so cool. I really hope I can get my hands on one, but I don't I don't know if I'll be able to find somebody to send me a review unit. But they look well, so let, cool. Let's talk. Let's talk. I can make that happen. Okay, we'll talk. <laughs> because this is a phone that I think a lot of folks that I know who bought one are kind of like the kind of folks who are interested in not just gaming, but having a very powerful phone that they can play yeah. with. It's not their main phone, yeah, right? Exactly. Because their prices are usually pretty good. It's their entertainment phone. Last year's Red Magic 7 Pro, I have it, was I think 729 for Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 with okay. uh, an under-display cam. Basically, they're very, they, they're very evolutionary, these phones. The, mm -hmm. They just update the chip and the, the industrial design, but they use the same display year over year, the same camera systems. Although this has yeah. a better main camera now, but that under-display camera with that like completely frameless display, they've had that since last gen. So that's mm -hmm. not really any different. And the slap sides, that's since last gen too. What's nice about this is because there's no bezels at all, it's a pretty compact gaming phone, even though the display is really yeah. massive. Now, there is a bit of imperfection where the camera is under the display. You can see there's a bit mm -hmm. less resolution in the screen, in the pixels there. So if you're gaming... Which I'm still not a fan of that. Neither like, am I. I. I know that we've seen a few of those from Samsung, a few other brands as well. And yeah, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the under display cameras. I would rather just have a little punch out hole like that's fine <laughs> me too Doesn't but i think they're me. looking at it from it's a gaming phone we don't want any interruptions yeah. and i think yeah. that i'm glad that zeti which is a parent company of nubia and of red magic is kind mm -hmm. of pursuing this because i've played with multiple generations of under display cameras now and they're literally getting better every six months so i think we're going to eventually get to a point because you know you have one on your z fold 3 don't you right Yep, I do. And it's kind of crap, right? Like you can it's, really see it. It's a potato. It. It's terrible. So <laughs> this one is actually not, at least on the last model, wasn't too bad. But I think it's getting to the point where I think I'm giving it two more years and it'll be okay. indistinguishable from a like generic front-facing camera. Not a good one, not as good mm -hmm. as maybe, you know, the S22 Ultra, for example, right? Has that 40 megapixel. That's a really nice right. one. Has autofocus yeah, that and one's stuff. Amazing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like your generic eight megapixel that you see in a punch hole today, right? I think yeah. two years. I will argue there. like, you know, we probably have a biased perspective given that well, especially me, I use my front-facing camera all the time for selfies. Oh yeah, and for if content you're using creation. it, don't go there. Don't go TikTok there. <laughs> videos, Instagram reels, like I use it all the time. So, yeah, if I was to get one of these, it would be a secondary phone, and it would be for like gaming and entertainment. Uh, when I see the this phone, the Red Magic A Pro, I think of like my husband who constantly drains his battery on his main work phone because he's also playing games on it. And I was like, you should have a secondary phone where you just use it as like a mobile gaming unit. And that's what this mm -hmm. is to me. Yeah. So they've basically made a few changes. Of course, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 is the big news here. They've got a fan that now spins up to 20,000 RPM instead of 12,000, which have you have you heard that fan? The twelve thousand nope. <laughs> is scary. I don't even know how it sounds like a jet engine. I wonder engine, how basically. loud it is. A jet engine? Oh geez. <laughs> no, it's 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 like a very quiet jet engine. So it's got that pitch and kind of like 
hiss of a jet engine, but imagine so it's like it, a jet engine in the distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's without the without the kind of like the distance cutoff of the frequencies. You know how okay. when you're far yeah, away you from a sound source, you start you lose the trebles. The bass is mm-hmm. the one that carries more. So this, of course, there's no bass coming out of that thing. So imagine all the bass you get from like all the rumble you get from a Jenny that's gone. But it's amazing because basically it sounds like a super high tech vacuum cleaner. Like, you know, those Dyson ones that spin at oh, yeah. really high speed. Like I have that. one of those Dyson hair dryers. I use it all yeah, the time. But even higher pitched and quieter and less oh, bass. Weird. That's basically, oh, that's it's so really weird. weird. The first time you hear it kick in, you're like, <laughs> what's going on? What but is it's this? Not loud. It's not loud enough to like, I could probably have it next to the mic and you would hear it right now, but it wouldn't yeah. be like interrupting our conversation. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It'd just okay. be like a constant thing and you'd be able to probably use noise reduction on a Audacity to remove it. It's that it's that faint. But it's there. And it's fascinating. Man, does it cool the phone. If you run like benchmarks <laughs> like 3D mark or something, and you got you run the the tests that run for 20 minutes to try like to see if the thermal yep. throttling happened, mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. throttle at all. Like they they just stay wow. rock solid for hours because Ooh, of that fan nice. kicking in. Yeah. And that's even really with nice. the fan off, their cooling system, you can turn the fan off, you can manually control it and everything. If you turn it off, when I did the review of the Red Magic 7 last year. I was seeing only a decrease of, it was throttling down to 95% after 20 minutes. That's nothing. Like, yeah, without a fan. So I'm like, I've never seen a phone throttle so little. So their cooling system to start with is really bonkers. And on top of that, like, like you know, put a fan on there. Just call it a day. <laughs> Just call it a day. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it doesn't make, the phone isn't water resistant at all. Like, is this like an intake port and an exhaust port? Like, yeah, air. how could it be? But the, the pro version, some of the higher end models have a transparent back and they have an RGB LED underneath the fan and the fan blades are translucent and it looks like a Ooh. gaming PC. Like it, you can change the RGB and stuff. It's really cool. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, now they're doing some cool stuff. That's the only really problem cool. I have with the with the Red Magic phones, they're sold in the US, so F5G for the US, which is nice. The only problem I have with them generally is that the software is used to be buggy, but now it's better, but it's still very poorly translated. So if you go in the menu sometimes and you look at the English, you're like, what does this setting do? <laughs> I'm not sure. Let's turn on the setting and see if my phone explodes. Yeah, like, I get that. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. So if you can live with software that you know may or may not get updated properly, may or may not have some weird translation, yeah, potentially some. That's odd why it ends up being bugs. your secondary phone. But the bottom line is, it's a Snapdragon eight Gen two, and so that means mm-hmm. that potentially the ROM community might come to your rescue, right? Oh, true. Yeah. The question is, can they support all the extra? stuff in there because there's obviously a separate chip that controls the thermals and the and the, mm-hmm. the the fan speed and stuff like there's a whole bunch and the rgb lights like all that stuff i'm not sure that a standard distro of like snapdragon 8 gen 2 build of android will support all that cool stuff like the trigger buttons so oh, yeah yeah anyway under display camera you're probably not going to get working on a on a rom right yeah so anyway, it's a cool phone. It's out. So if you want that, we don't know the pricing. I think this is currently only out in China. Mm-hmm. All right. Redmi K60 series. I don't know how familiar you are with the K series. The K series is a bit of a darling of the 
Chinese phone aficionados. It's not only sold in China, it's sold all over the place. Redmi is, as you know, a Xiaomi brand. It's their for mm-hmm. one, like alongside Poco, it's their affordable brand, but right. they overlap a little bit. And usually every Redmi K series phone comes out as a Poco F series at some point. So we all think, we collectively tech journalists who cover Chinese phones, think that this will come out as a global phone in about two months as the Poco F5. Ah, okay. Right? So every time, like the Poco F4 last year was was the Redmi K50 Pro. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's interesting to look at the K60 series now and look at the specs and go like, what are they going to change for the, the Poco version of this phone? Right? And I only so- just recently got my first uh, Xiaomi and Redmi phones in for reviews. They're They're last year's models, so they're a little bit older now. But uh, I'm pretty excited to start kind of branching into that market. And start learning more about these these devices. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Xiaomi mostly because they mm-hmm. have a really good imaging pipeline. So they're even their cheap yeah, phones take they decent do. photos, mm-hmm. and then uh, they're affordable. And you know, like BBK Group, you know, Oppo, Vivo, OnePlus, and Realme. Xiaomi has kind of like an incredible part spin, and they juggle those parts to create these these kind of like Lego like phones and it's really exciting to see like oh look this redmi phone has the same display as this phone has the same like because they, <laughs> they send me like it's kind of interesting because xiaomi pr literally sends me every phone they make like they just arrive like i i don't oh, even ask awesome. for them and so i get a lot <laughs> sometimes i don't have to, time to review them all so i'm but i'm looking at them i'm like wait didn't i just review this phone and then i pull out my box and I'm like, oh look they're identical but this is the redmi and this is the poco okay uh. It's like I didn't need. <laughs> That's fine. I didn't need both guys. Thank you, <laughs> but they have some cosmetic differences and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the nice thing about this is the Pro version has a Snapdragon eight Gen two, and that's actually a little unusual because usually the K series kind of has like they used the Snapdragon eight seventy for a while, which was an eight sixty five plus plus. And you know, I would be, I would have expected the eight plus Gen one to be on this phone for pricing. But they yeah. obviously have such high volume that they're able to talk to Qualcomm and say, we want your latest chips and can you give mm-hmm. us a deal, right? But you notice the vanilla one, the non-pro has the 8 plus Gen 1. So that's typical yeah. of the K-series. And then, you know, you get generally a good AMOLED display at 120 hertz and, you know, it you get nice. some... Yeah, you get a nice a nice camera. Like this is the IMX 800, which we saw on the Honor 70 earlier yeah, this the year. And yeah. it has a YS, like they don't messing about. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to see crazy charging speeds, 120 watt, 5,000 milliamp hour. Oh, by the way, that reminds wow. me, the Red Magic has a 6,000 milliamp hour battery. It's the first Red Magic with such a large battery. There's uh, one that charges at 100 watt, I think, and that's on a smaller battery. Cause oh, that's cool. That's safety. big. But that's big, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I just put the K60 in there because I wanted my audience to know that First of all, it was really under the radar because this is, I think, China right. only right now. And secondly, it's kind of a precursor of what Poco is going to give us next. And Poco is a global mm-hmm. brand. And you can import the Poco phones easily by buying them on Amazon. So, you know, if you're looking for something a little different, this is going to be it when it comes out as a Poco. And those of us who have connections with Xiaomi PR will probably be able to get the Redmi versions as well. Right. The Redmi Note, by the way, the Redmi Note series comes out in February, March, usually. And that's one of my favorite, like, affordable, budgety phone. Like, they're around the $250 mark. And they're literally, like, I would say 
70% of the specs of a flagship for a third of the price. It's insane. Like you're getting That's a phone. That's pretty awesome. Like I have the 12, the Redmi Note 12 Pro. And for $250, you get an AMOLED display at 120 hertz. You get like a Snapdragon 695G or some Dimensity 1200 or something. And yeah. you get like 50 megapixel camera or and actually they're, they're doing... I think they did 108 megapixel this year. Like 250 what bucks. What do I have? I think I have the 11 Pro. Yeah, the, Note, the Note 11 Pro. Oh, that's last year's amazing, amazing phone. Yeah. For the money. Imagine that sells for $269 or something when it's new. That's such a great price. I mean, can you believe the specs you're getting for that money? Like, yeah. This is where I think we're not as lucky in North America. If you, you know, you compare that to like a OnePlus Nord yeah, very much. or a Moto G, and you're like, I'm getting the short end of the stick, you know? Mm-hmm. But in India, yeah. where the Redmi sell, this is what they get for $269. That's why I'm looking forward to checking out these these brands because a lot of times you can get such a great deal from them. And I have a lot of viewers who are looking for like good budget smartphones under like $300. So this would be perfect for them. For sure. I mean, you're not going to get 5G support. The bands right. are not there. You might, you might, depends. I think if you're on T-Mobile, you might see some 5G mid-band light up depending mm-hmm. what market you're in. But 4G should work. In most markets, yeah, on most carriers, and Verizon won't work. That's the only thing they. It's interesting what happens with a lot of Xiaomi phones. If I put a Verizon SIM in it, it lights up as 4G, and then it disappears about a minute later. No oh service. wow! So I think they look at the IMAs and they go like, "Nope, no, not on our mm. network. Your Chinese phone, you're not allowed. Go away." You know, AT and T does this sometimes too. They do that with 5G with their 5G stuff. Every now and then I get a phone from China, I put it on AT&T, and I get service, but only on 4G, and 5G just doesn't light up. Yet I look at the specs, oh, wow. and it just, it's there, it's just not connecting, and I think they whitelist their IMAs on 5G and AT&T. I'm convinced mm. of it. Mm. And sometimes you see the 5G logo pop up with an AT&T SIM, and what it is, is they're detecting that it's a 5G network, so they pop up the 5G, but if you look at the actual connected state in the, uh, like if you install one of those apps that tells you what the cellular radio is doing, it's actually connected by LTE. So it's like not telling you the truth. (laughs) So that's (laughs) the problem with, the caveat if you use a Chinese phone in North America is you will mostly be on 4G. Some phones, you'll be on 5G and it'll work just flawlessly. And you'll have a lot better results if you're on T-Mobile or Mm -hmm. say in Canada, if you're on TELUS, which have pretty much the same bands as as T-Mobile. So T-Mobile is like totally hands off, like whatever IMA you want on their system. I'm curious how Google, I I have Google, which Google Fi, which runs off of T-Mobile. Yeah. Yeah, So I figure it'll be fine because it's an MVNO. Yeah. You'll have to install the, the Google Fi app on it of course because it'll pester you otherwise which is fine which is fine but um also if you ever get it like i think the the redmi note you got is probably like from indonesia or thailand or some Mm -hmm. eastern market that is not china because the china only phones they are basically like don't come with google play services or anything you can install it though so if you Go to apkmirror.com or whatever. You can download the Play Store, like the latest build from APK, whatever your APK favorite site is. I use APK Mirror myself. And then all of a sudden, you can download all your Google apps. Everything works. (laughs) So don't let that bother you. Like, 
It's funny too. I've got a bunch of Realme phones here that just launched the the Realme 10 series. Mm-hmm. And I got one, it's a Russian phone. Like, so it came with Yandex, all the Yandex stuff pre-installed. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, made me cringe. I had to remove that stuff real quick. <laughs> Thankfully, I was able to uninstall. I didn't have to disable it even. It just came right off. Now, who knows what else is on there? But the point is, one of them was Russian. The other one was for Saudi Arabia. So it came with a whole bunch of local apps pre-installed. And it doesn't, even though it has all Google stuff, it didn't have the Google Discover on the left of the launcher. It's the huh. same software on both phones, but one doesn't have it. That's and there's no so toggle or anything. It's so weird how regionalization works. And they send me review units from all over the place. So sometimes I'm like, uh, what countries? Oh, that's Thailand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that generally I, inserting a SIM helps because if you put like a US SIM in there, it at least will start off in English. Whereas if you started off like without putting a SIM, it'll start with whatever default the firmware was set at factory, which is usually the language of the country it's right. sold in. So like, then you have to figure out how to change languages, you know, because it's in Thai or something. So put a <laughs> SIM in there before you start it up just to change it to English. And then you can remove that SIM if you don't want to continue with the SIM. You have so many pro tips for me today. I love it. Well, if you know, ping me if you have any issues with your Redmi phones or any Chinese phones. I thank will, you, thank you. I use a lot of Chinese phones. Sometimes I swear they know everything about me for sure because there's some spyware in there that, you know, I'm maybe I'm being paranoid. <laughs> maybe I always I use care. like secondary apps and SIM SIM cards, completely different accounts for like any review phones. So I would treat it just the same. Oh, you're lucky then, because I only install a very limited subset of apps on my review unit. So I, I mm-hmm. have definitely have my Gmail account. That's the danger. But I have I have Facebook, Twitter, Insta, a few other things like that. So I can do social media content. But that's it. I don't put my banking apps. I don't put my Google Good. Authenticator on there. I don't put yeah, anything critical. Right. I don't put my Tesla app or whatever. So I'm OK. But my pixels are the ones for that, obviously. They're not. Yeah, same. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't have separate accounts because I do like to check my email because I feel like to use a phone, like I feel like I'm kind of dailying it. I need a, mm-hmm. a minimum subset of things in there. Yeah. So I can to keep some stuff, at least my email and my social media on there. So they probably know everything about my email and everything about my social media, which mm-hmm. is fine. No, there's no secrets in there. It's all work stuff anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's all work stuff. <laughs> They're just going to see the own, their own emails. They'll see all my contracts and all my, you know, all my invoices. And oh boy, <laughs> I didn't think of that. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Look, no, I, I'm saying is Redmi K60 looks really good. And I bet you, if you look at the prices, actually, it's it's pretty amazing. That's the thing. Chinese yeah, what pricing, did it say? Man. Like 315 or something? Yeah, USD? let's see. I'm looking for the Pro because that's the one we really care about. Uh, 475. There we for go. For Snapdragon yeah. 8 Gen 2. How does that feel? That's <laughs> it's insane. That's pretty cool. That's that's for 8128. Oh, you want 16512? We have that too. Okay. And that's only $660. Oh, the K60E is the one I saw at 315. USB. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the so that's K60 lower Pro right now. That's the highest yeah, end one I'm looking the Pro. at. 475. 475. Wow. That's awesome. That's a great right. price. I know, but here's the thing. I have this rule that if you want to know when that phone comes to like Europe or India, how much it's going to cost, add $100. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah like, there's no, always no, it's, going it's to be like, additional money on top of that. But because in China, all these phones are subsidized by mm-hmm. software services. So, you know, mm-hmm. they probably come with like Weibo stuff pre-installed and, and all of the, you know, what, are, what, is the, what is the Google equivalent over there? Anyway, you know what I'm thinking. DD and all that stuff. So I think yeah. that's probably how they get the, the price so low. And then they have to remove all that stuff. So then, you, you know, it's a little more. Plus shipping it to, they have to ship them to India or Europe or whatever. Right. Whereas in China, you know, they probably customs like. There's and taxes. Exactly. Anyway, it's cool though, because even at $100 more, it's still like really competitive, right? That's still yeah, cheaper than is. a OnePlus 10T and it's a better chip. So cool all right the next thing that i'm curious about this one because i know you you like your think pads probably like anyone who's a good right anyone who's a a tinkerer likes a think pad i don't have one well i have some old think pads floating around that i've running yeah i don't i don't currently have one which is very sad but (laughs) i have an old an old think pad 600 from 1999 that i run an old distro of linux on if i really want oh to God. like go old school you know with oh, a pcmcia wow. wi-fi card yeah oh, that's how geez. i roll yeah of course the problem is that PCMCIA never turn that thing Wi-Fi. on you will get hacked immediately oh 100 percent. and the problem is i can't even connect to my network because it doesn't support wpa so it's oh, no. it's web only so oh no so i have a i have a router at home that i have on an isolated network that runs only a web thing and i can connect to it a wi-fi b right like <laughs> a to 211 b yeah but it's fun if you want to test oh my some gosh, stuff Miriam. like i also have another machine <laughs> like i have an old toshiba that runs xp what why <laughs> because sometimes you want to t- like imagine this uh, the only thing i would run older operating systems for is like so i could play games that i played in elementary well, school well for me it's actually slightly different for example <laughs> you know some old hardware like audio hardware like mini disc players have usb support and you can you know burn mini discs music on oh, mini yeah. discs and yeah. the software doesn't run on anything but xp right mm, that's so, a good point so what i do is i i keep this xp machine and it's you know it, it went all the way up to the latest xp software updates and security updates which are what 10 years old now so i don't put <laughs> it on the network i just run it yeah, when i need don't. it right like <laughs> no i i'm not worried about the linux one too much i'm much more worried about running a xp yeah xp on any network today yeah that would become that would become a bot in five seconds <laughs> it really would <laughs> like, actually it's so slow it might not become that a thing bot would in light up seconds. the internet it would probably explode as soon as you it would become it. a bot in five minutes because it's how long <laughs> it would take for the thing to become a bot anyway <laughs> so modal there's a leak i don't know if this is true but there is a leak that's been going on this is the second time i've seen it Supposedly, Moto is making a ThinkPad phone for Lenovo. Or I should say, Lenovo, which owns Moto, is using Moto's chops to make a Lenovo phone that is not a Lenovo phone, but a ThinkPad branded phone. Because, you know, in China, you can buy Lenovo phones. Right. So complicated. (laughs) It looks cool, though. It it looks very ThinkPad, which I think is cool. Because it's got the real red button accents and bunch of other stuff so there's some leaks here of renders of the thing mm-hmm. and honestly it looks very much the specs look like standard moto edge specs which is fine which is nice because mm-hmm. it's like pretty high end i mean at least according to this i'm not sure if they have any specs here i'm curious about the camera uh, they system. say snapdragon 8 plus gen 1 so 
I mean, look, based on the specs, I'm betting this is going to be similar to like a Moto Edge of some kind because mm. it looks like it's a metal frame with a like ruggedized plastic back. Yes, it does. You know, it looks like it has a, a, a I think pretty it says nice... 50 megapixel on the back. Yeah, and look, you see the display has very little bezel, so that tells me it's an OLED. Right. And so the only phones from Motors these days that have OLED are edges. And that red button looks like an extra key to, you can program to do something because that doesn't look like the power button. If you look on one of the photos, you can clearly see power and volume on the right side. Yeah, you can. Huh. And then this red button, I bet you that's like the think button. Ooh. You push that and it starts a thinking. A custom button. I kind of like I the know. idea of having a custom button. That's pretty cool. And it cool. starts thinking. It's like I wonder red- if the custom button, they have an image here where it shows a little like pop-up bubble on the home screen that shows streaming apps, file explorer, mirror phone, webcam, or connected display. So maybe you can Shortcut. customize it. Yeah, oh, like shortcuts. It's kind of cool. I kind of dig it because, I mean, come on, it's a ThinkPad phone. How can I know, you right? Dig like that? this, I feel very nerdy looking at this phone because, like, there's a whole community of like ThinkPad har- hardcore geeks who will only buy those models for their work, <laughs> and I feel like they will love this phone if it's indeed true. So here's the deal: I'm supposedly meeting up with Moto at CS for something, and I wouldn't be surprised that's what's going to be. I will let you know on next week's podcast, obviously, what what I find out. But here's the thing. If there is a briefing on this that's about that, it's gonna be I'm gonna be bombarded with enterprise words during the entire thing. Oh, and yeah. all I'm gonna think in the back of my head is like, I don't give a f- about this stuff. I just want to know that it's the coolest moto phone ever made because it's a ThinkPad phone. So bugger <laughs> off with your PR BS. That's exactly what's gonna go through my head the whole time. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you. I want it just for the fact that it's ThinkPad. I don't care about the enterprise features. I'm sure there'll be plenty of enterprise features. Yeah. But I won't care. I won't care at all. I'm telling you, <laughs> you now. <won't> care. <laughs> nope. Nope. If Moto, if you're I'm listening very to this, about it. I'm going to totally listen to your spiel, but I won't care. I won't care if you say the word enterprise. My eyes will roll and I will go, ThinkPad phone, ThinkPad phone. Yes. How cool is that? Anyway. I'm terrible. I know. <laughs> I appreciate um, it, though. LG has a telephoto <laughs> module that's exciting. Okay, so that's another thing that I think we're going to see at CES. So LG doesn't make phones anymore, yeah. but LG, like Samsung, makes camera sensors and displays mm-hmm. and other things for smartphone manufacturers. Right. That brand is called LG Innotech, with a K, and it's cool because they often come out with cool new stuff, especially on the display side. They were the first to do like flexible OLEDs uh, used in cars that like follow a shape and stuff. And we see the result of that in some of the folding phones today. But this is, it's not often we see camera stuff from LG Innotech. So if they're doing this, they're probably very confident about it. So here's the thing. Last year's Xperia 1, because there's one every year, the high-end smartphone from Sony had a Mm -hmm. variable optical telephoto lens. Like one of those zoom lenses on your point-and-shoot that would kind of, instead of sliding out, it was all in a periscope folded Mm -hmm. lens setup. And the lens would move in there, and you could, it's incredible. This is the same deal, but in a more compact module, 
And more importantly, it can do 4X to 9X, which is much more useful. And right. I am hearing rumors that this particular module is going to end up in, you know, a bunch of phones next year, potentially even the OnePlus 11, maybe very the interesting. Oppo, Find X6 Pro, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of why I think they're releasing this in news now, because I've actually pained LGPR very specifically about this and said, if this is going to be at CES, I want to see it. You better show it to me. <laughs> I threatened did them. Did they respond? And no, because I threatened them. I'm terrible. No, I'm oh. joking. I did not, I did not threaten Stop them. Stop threatening asked, the poor PR I, folks. <laughs> I asked them. I asked them and they haven't responded because I literally asked them two minutes before I started recording this podcast. So oh, for okay. all I know, let's check my Pixel watch. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of notifications. I'm not looking. Yeah, well, you no. can check later. Let no, me know. That's, that's not <laughs> you can text me later you. and say, they heard, they, I heard back from them. So anyway, this is cool because if they can keep the F-stop under control, like because mm -hmm. that's what the, the right. problem with the Xperia 1 was the F-stop was like a ridiculous F over 3.5 or something. It wasn't a fast oh. lens at all. So the depth wow. of field was really cool, but it was, you needed a lot of slow. low light, you know, low light performance was a bit of a problem. Mm. So we'll see what happens. But this is exciting because I kind of didn't think we would go that route. Like moving parts always worry me, but we've seen it again and again. How many phones did we see with pop-up selfie cameras and none of them broke? Like That's how true. reliable, like, I mean, for the duration of the life of a phone, which is like for us, two years, maybe for most people, yeah. four or five years, I have not heard yet of one of those breaking unless it was dropped and completely I have any, and, and even so some of those with the pop-up pop-up selfie selfie cameras the it, it would lower back into oh, the yeah, phone it would, if it, it felt it drop free detection. Fall. Yeah, yeah 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 so yeah. it would protect itself during the fall well yeah. was it one plus that did one like that yeah the seven the pro the the best one yeah. plus of all time in my opinion that one was so cool it was such a great phone that was the heyday of one plus folks pete if you're listening Please, please, <laughs> please give us some OnePlus we can get excited about again. Yes. Anyway, I don't know what to tell you about this other than I'm, I want a phone with it. It yeah, looks see? cool. I, I'm much more focused on macro myself, but there's so many people that use telephoto. Like this is, this is going to be insanely popular, but I do worry about the hardware. Hopefully it's built to the same quality that we've seen previously with moving parts in phones like you had mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be fine. Pro tip, by the way, you probably already know about this one, but if you want to do macro photography on a camera or a phone specifically that doesn't have a macro camera, use the telephoto. Yeah, use the telephoto lens. So if you, even if you have just a, a main sensor that's like a 50 megapixel, zoom in 2x and mm -hmm. pull back. And generally you can, you, now you get that creamy depth of field because the most of those- Although sometimes you will end up with some uh, uh, like curvature. Yeah. You get that, but I kind yeah. of feel like it adds to the charm in a way. Like, <laughs> I like that the new 50 and 48 and 64 and 108 and 200 megapixel sensors are large sensors, even though they have a lot of pixels, they're actually large. And, you know, the ZDEF issues, because there's sh the lenses have to be so short, uh, close to the sensor, there's a lot of fringing stuff, but mm -hmm. the depth of field is actually very natural. Like you get a lot of shallow depth of field just by design, which is like, if you compare a, a Pixel 6a, which has a 12 megapixel sensor to a Pixel 7 or 7 Pro, like the same subject at the same distance, 
you don't need portrait mode on the 7 Pro. Like no, in the really main don't. camera, like you get that creamy I never It's delicious. Mode. I love it. I love it. But you couldn't do that on a 6A because right. almost everything was in focus. It was just mm-hmm. like, no, nah, I'm so happy yeah. the sensors are big. So that's why if you have a bigger sensor, even if you don't have a telephoto, punch into 2 or 3X, pull back, and you can generally get, or pull in because the autofocus generally works at least about five five centimeters, two inches. Yeah. You can generally get that kind of pseudo macro. It's only when you want like extreme macro, like I want the legs of the spider. Then you're f***ed. You really need like a, yeah. you know, yeah. Which is usually what I'm doing because <laughs> I take pictures of um, like Sailor Moon anime merchandise. Oh, and right. a lot of yeah, it is yeah, very yeah. small. So of that's course. usually what I'm doing is I need that like close up detail. So I can show people like paint issues or flaws or whatever. Uh, it's oh, it's a okay. very yeah, precise. Yeah. You, very yeah, you definitely need a niche. real macro for this. Yeah, this is where the niche. seven pro. <laughs> yeah, I get where the seven pro can totally like solve that. Yeah. So anyway, what's your what's your thoughts of CES predictions ideas? We have a few minutes left. I'm excited. Yeah, you know I haven't been back to CES since uh, t- January 2020, so it's been quite some time. I'm so excited since you and I recorded that podcast. Yeah, that was the last time I was at CES. So I'm excited to go back. It's going to be nice to see what's changed. I feel like a lot slowed down in the past couple of years in terms of upgrades to tech in the past you know, two, two to three years during everything that's been happening. One thing I'm very curious about is I want to see more products that are implementing matter, that IOT uh, protocol that is supposed to be more secure and it's supposed to be um, cross compatible amongst different brands. I feel like that's going to really help with a lot of the issues that we've been seeing uh, with like proprietary applications or hubs that have been needed in the IOT market. Um, Having matter for smart things. I'm, I'm very, very excited about it, but so far, we've seen a lot of delays in the market with brands actually implementing it, or they have implemented it, but they haven't upgraded their apps. So I'm just, I'm waiting to see if we have more products that come out to actually put it on the market. So it's getting there, but it's not quite there yet. So I have a feeling we'll see a excited. lot of that at CES. I'm super excited about Matter as well, honestly. Yeah. I think... You know, I've been a big Zigbee person. That's kind of how I've universalized my my home yeah. automation ecosystem. So I picked my hub wisely. And then I actually use a lot of off-the-shelf, non-branded Zigbee products, for example, mm-hmm. or less known-branded Zigbee products. For example, Cree, the manufacturer of light oh, Cree, bulbs, yeah. makes an mm-hmm. LED light bulb that costs $9 US that comes in different, you know, white color balances, like, Kelvin temperatures of right. like sunlight to kind of yellow and is not RGB, but it is dimmable and has Zigbee built in for nine US dollars. I have these all over my place, both in San Francisco and in Vancouver. I'm in Vancouver so today. Great. And I use a Philips Hue hub because Philips Hue hubs are Zigbee compliant. In the past, I used uh, a Securify router that had oh, yeah. a Wi-Fi router that had built-in Zigbee. But, you know, Securify software doesn't integrate with Google, for example, only integrates with uh, Amazon Alexa. And so, oh, I said the word, I'm sorry. And uh, so, <laughs> I, sorry for those of you listening on your speakers right now. And so uh, with Hue, I got much better integration with the Google ecosystem. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's actually been really great because you can find a whole bunch of Zigbee stuff out there if you dig around a little bit. And most of it is kind of cheapish. So you can buy like, you know, motion sensors. Yeah. Hall effect switch door sensors, like a whole bunch of things. So you can kind of create this, you know, automation process. And on top of that, if I really want to go fancy and spend money, I can buy these fancy, you know, Hughes Phillips branded light strips and whatever, and that also works. So I got kind of the best of both worlds. Now, I'm still not a huge fan of Philips Hue. I've tried smart things on Samsung, same thing. It supports Zigbee, but it's a little janky. Basically, you know, it's hard to find a pure Zigbee hub. Uh, maybe you found a solution there, but for me, I feel like Zigbee is holding things together in my universe, and then it, it bridges over to my Google Home stuff. And of course, I have some Nest cameras, for better or for worse. I also have yeah. some Ring cameras, for better or for worse. I hate all of that, but it does come in handy uh, for the stuff I'm doing with it, which is also just outdoors monitoring. I don't really care too much if somebody yeah. spies on that stuff. It's more about, is my package derived? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff like oh, same. That. Yeah, I I am loving my Nest cameras. I find them to be very reliable. And uh, they also receive a lot of security updates. So, and I have a lot of, f- maybe I shouldn't mention it, but I have a lot of friends that work at Google in the uh, security and privacy sector. And they they kind of give me a inside idea of how often they they do updates and what they're looking for. So oh, I do cool, trust cool. their products. Yeah. Yeah, I have that. Honestly, this is the thing. A lot of people ask me, like, why am I such a Google's, you know, ecosystem user? Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you this. Look, I'm aware of what I give them in terms of my privacy. Mm-hmm. And I agree yeah. to it because it's made my life better. And I know it's something that's very contentious. Some people don't are not on board, and I respect that. But for me, it works. But most importantly, yeah. I have had zero downtime for my business with Google in the last 15 years I've used it. Zero, okay? 100%. Like, I see all the other people out there. Like, there was a Microsoft Outlook outage the other day, and mm-hmm. I was talking to Uber at Uber Gizmo. I'm like, dude, why are you still on Outlook? He's like, I've run my business on Outlook for decades. Or Microsoft services. And I'm like, wow, really? They're like, you're not on Google yet? And like, you know, I respect that. Whatever works for them. But it's like, to me, that even Microsoft is an outage, but I haven't had one Google now. Knock on wood, you know. But the point is, it's like, it's been super reliable. And mm-hmm. I feel the same with my Nest stuff. Like, everything just works, you know? And then, yeah. you know, I still have a ring doorbell because I got it for free as a demo unit. And it's, you know, I, I use it. But... Honestly, it's like the amount of information that they they sap away from you is really scary. Like yeah. the app, the app for Ring is such a nightmare. It's like the user <laughs> interface is like so bloated with like their neighbor stuff. That's like like kind of like uh, oh you gosh, know, I, yeah, it's terrible. I, I moved like, away have, from I Ring turn all that, of that stuff off. You know, yeah, it's bad. But I still have it simply because my doorbells are still ring. Um, I guess I should just buy a Nest doorbell and call it a day. <laughs> They're really good. I have one. It's great. It tells me well, whenever I have go. packages dropped off. And if people are unfamiliar, oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. I, I caught kids on my front porch one day just like peeking around and seeing what was going on with my Halloween decorations. They were like oh, touching cool. things. <laughs> it was cute. It was really cute. <laughs> so matters got you excited. Anything else you're looking forward to? 
Yeah, definitely matter. I am really excited to see more audio, as weird as that is. Um, it it's, hasn't been a huge thing for me in the past, but I have been getting more interested in finding, you know, good headphones and good earbuds and things of that nature and things that don't create as much lag and better security with um, upgraded Bluetooth. That's always a really nice thing, too, because older versions of Bluetooth are vulnerable. Oh, my God. Terrible. There's man-in-the-middle attacks that you can do with older versions of Bluetooth, so it's always nice to see upgrades there. Um, so yeah, definitely IoT uh, with Matter Audio is uh, very interested in, and I want to see more implementations of Android um, in the auto environment. So I, I do have a couple of meetings planned, so I can check that out too, but auto is also a fairly new thing for me to check out too. Yeah, so for me, audio, what I would say is check out TCL because yeah. they make, I mean, I don't know how the security is. And I, I can't speak yeah, for that. Yeah, that's one of the, the ones expert. I'm going to check out. But but TCL makes some of the best earbuds for the money. Like, you know, yeah. I'm a bit of an audiophile. I have a lot of audio products. I review them as my, on my podcast and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the TCL Move Audio earbuds always blow my mind in terms of sound quality and price like value basically and they have noise canceling wireless charging they have good battery life and nobody talks about them it's like everybody's like you know google buds pro and and or pixel buds pro and everybody's like you know samsung galaxy buds pro 2 or whatever they're called or people go on like of course about the airpods and all of those are good but like if you want to save a bit of money and get something that's even better, in my opinion, just check out TCL yeah. or Realme. Realme makes some of the best earbuds. I don't know why it's just Realme, not Oppo, not OnePlus, but Realme, because they're all part of the same group. But for some reason, whatever OEM or ODM they're using in China knows how to engineer the audio on those to be exquisite. Yeah. And for $50, you can get wireless earbuds with mm -hmm. active noise canceling that sound great from Realme. At that point, they're disposable. You lose one, you don't care. You just go back to Amazon, you go buy now and you get another <laughs> pair the next day. I hate to say that because it's not good for the environment, but you know, it's better than losing a $250 pair of Sony's, which I love too, but the sound quality is almost the same for $200 more. No way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So the drawbacks, yeah, you know, they're not as pretty. Yeah, the battery life might not quite as be as nice. There's no app. So yeah, you can upgrade the firmware, I think, but that's about it. There's no major mm -hmm. settings or anything. But, you know, for that money, who cares? So TCL. And then uh, as far as Android automotive stuff, I've been using and reviewing cars that run Android automotive, like the Polestar and Volvos. And I really like it. Yeah. It's I'm, really I'm so good. curious to see how that it's works. It's kind of magical when you log into the car with your Google account and That's everything so cool. comes to the car. Like so your calendar, cool. your contacts, your email notifications. Yeah. Google Play. Ugh. All your music. Your, if I you're on that. YouTube music, all your music is there. Like your playlists, all the stuff you love, it's just there all of a sudden in the car. You don't have to like install an app, connect for, you know, not. no, it's just all there. And so cool. best of all, it uses the connectivity of the car. You don't use your data mm -hmm. plan. You don't have to worry about that. So, and if you're parked, you can watch YouTube. What about you? What are you excited to see at CES? I don't know. Like I am, well, there's some car stuff that I'm going to that I unfortunately can't speak about yet. So hold on for next <laughs> week. But That's I'm excited about that. There is, uh, I'm excited about this 
suppose the moto thing phone whatever if it yeah. actually comes to ces if that's the thing i'm getting briefed about there's a briefing with oneplus and the company who engineered their charging system for the 150 watt oh cool so apparently i'm gonna get a little more deep in the weeds with that so i'm actually excited about that but honestly i'm more excited this year like this year i've decided i'm not gonna do press conferences i'm Got a bunch of meetings and I got mm. a bunch of car stuff because my sponsor is actually Mercedes. So I want to thank them in advance for taking me out to CS this year. So a bunch of car stuff, but I'm going to mostly want to wander a little bit on the show floor and see what kind of crazy stuff, especially in the weeds. Wandering out on the, the show floor. I haven't done that in so long. I know, me too. And I'm realizing that's kind of what I'm missing a bit. I mean, I'm going to get tired yeah. of it very quickly, but at least for a little bit of CS, I plan to be out there. And more importantly, also go to Showstoppers and Pepcom yes. and unveil and see what quirky stuff I've. I'm going to try to look for the quirky those stuff. Those are always fun. Year. I love yeah. going to those events. 100%. So it should be a good show. I, I haven't completely overloaded my schedule because this year That's I've decided <laughs> no press conferences. Forget the press conferences. It's okay. just like whatever, you know? So we'll see. And I'll have a podcast next week. I've already lined everybody up. So hopefully you guys will know everything that I can't talk about this week on next <laughs> week's show. So stay tuned for that. All right. Well, Shannon, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, all your social media handles and channels and stuff? Sure. Uh, you can find me. I'm Snubs on Instagram and Twitter. That's S-N-U-B is in Bravo S, Snubs, and YouTube, youtube.com slash Shannon Morse, spelled just like my name sounds. Uh, and that's Morse as in Morse code, not Morris. I recently did a video about creator burnout. It was something I really- Why would somebody get that wrong? Oh, yeah. People get it wrong all the time. Or they call me Sharon, Sharon Morris. And I'm like, that's oh definitely, that is not my name whatsoever. It's Shannon <laughs> Morse. <laughs> I love that your name is Morse like Morse code. Yeah, Morse like Morse code. In fact, I'm, I've been learning Morse code. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a ham radio license. Like, do it's you? Legit. Of course you yes, do. Yes, I do. See, I was going to say, like, for somebody who's in the <laughs> hacking world, that's perfect name. I know, right? <laughs> There's even a Shannon uh, theorem. So even That's that right. name is based on nerdiness. Yeah. So like, the, it's a whole thing. It's part of the sampling theory. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, But feel free to check out my YouTube. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Folks, do watch and subscribe to Shannon's YouTube channels. And of course, follow her on the socials. The socials are in shamble right now, but you know where you can find me on the socials. I'm still on Twitter somehow. Tankgirl, T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and Instagram, like the comic book character. Just drop all the vowels. Look, for better or for worse, I'm not active on Twitter that much. I mostly, you know, post about the podcast. And then if somebody wants to interact with me and Shannon on Twitter, do that. But I'm going to see how this pans out. I'm sure it's going to be a disaster, but... I'm going to hang out for a little while longer. And then, of course, Instagram is kind of where I like to be for kind of more interaction, honestly, because if, for me, I'm still a photo person. And even though it's all about reels now, I still post a ton of photos, photos of phones, photos of devices, photos of cars, photos of food, travel, all taken with phones, because that's the whole point, you know? Yes. So check out my Insta for that. And then the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you'll find good podcasts. And uh, if your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. There's a couple of YouTube channels you should check out as well, youtube.com slash mobiletechpodcast and youtube.com 
mobilecom slash mobiletechmore. The first one is all about the phones and the audio and the wearables. And then the other one is more like out in the weeds with like car stuff, home automation, travel tech. But basically check those out. You know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the little bell and comment. Comment about the podcast there too. It's If you don't feel comfortable on Twitter, by all means, comment on YouTube. That's great. And then I also want to tell you about the Patreon, patreon.com. So that's something new since the last time you and I recorded, Shannon, but I've had it for about two years now. And what it is, is just a way for me to pay the bills. So if you want to help out with this podcast, please consider joining. There's a bunch of you know special tiers there you can join. One lets you be on the Discord server with me and chat. One lets you get a video version of this podcast ahead of the audio versions, generally about a day before. And it's a little less edited and a little more raw and you get to see our faces and sometimes we pull out phones and stuff. So if you want to see the and hear the podcast in advance, this is a great way to do it. You know, there's a bunch of stuff there. Check it out. Patreon.com slash tankerl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. And if you don't like Patreon, but you want to help out, there is a PayPal link in the show notes. Just click on that. Buy me a coffee or something. That'd be great. I'd appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, I want to thank Audible, our sponsor. Audible has been with the show since the early days. And if you're like me and you're a bookworm, you love to read. But maybe, maybe you're driving all day and you want to listen to books instead of read them. Or maybe, like me, your eyes are tired at the end of the day. You don't want to look at another screen. Well, put some headphones on, some earbuds on, and relax and listen to a book being read. That's what Audible brings to the table. It's awesome. They're like kind of the number one audiobook platform out there. So audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL where you can go to get a special deal, a 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book whether you stay or not. I think you'll stay though because, well, they have an incredible collection. There's some books read by the authors. They have some short form content that's easier to digest than the hours long books that you can get into as well. And then there's some podcasts that are exclusive to Audible. So yeah, consider helping me out by uh, getting an Audible subscription. AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. Please help me and help Audible. I'd appreciate it. And again, thanks to Audible for being our longtime sponsor. And Shannon, thanks to you for being my guest yet again on the show. I really appreciate it. Always happy to be on. It's always fun to hang out with you. Absolutely. We'll have you on again at some point <laughs> in the future. And folks, you know, we'll have another show next week, next year at CES. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.